This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. This evening, God's already moving, God's already working. And I tell you what, I haven't felt this way about speaking in a long time, but I am so excited about tonight. I'm like Pastor says, I'm like a cow at a new gate. I am ready to go because I believe that tonight God wants to heal and set free and deliver people from something that they've been struggling with for a long, long time. And I believe that there's something for everybody tonight, no matter where you fall on the spectrum of mental health. And so we are gonna read a lot of scripture because the Bible says that it's through the word of God, that it's abiding in the word that sets us free. We'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. So if you want a Bible, lift up your hand and our awesome team of ushers will get that to you. And I had a thought. My, my wife has been telling me that it's time for me to buy new clothes. She's like, you gotta get new jeans. I'm like, I like the jeans I have. She says, you need new ones. So I'm trying to find the perfect jeans and it's difficult for me. I'm, I'm like, I don't know what it is about it, but I just, I go to all the different stores, I try on the jeans, I don't like them. And so I thought, I'll try Levi's jeans. My son's name is Levi. Levi's have been around for a while. This has to be perfect. And so I get on Amazon, and there's this new feature that I've never seen before, try before you buy. And so I'm like, I don't necessarily know what size Levi's I wear. So I order like three or four different pairs of Levi's. They didn't charge me a dime. They send them all to my house. And in my house, I get to try on each pair of Levi's. Turns out none of them fit. So then I just took all four back today. And you know what? The only thing in the Bible that is like that is tithing. Think about it. Tithing is the only thing that God says, do this. If you don't do it, you're robbing me. Do it and I'll bless you. Do it. And then he says, test me in this and see that I won't open up the window of heaven. You know what's kind of like him saying? Here's your money back guarantee. Try tithing out. If you hate it, stop doing it. But I can guarantee you that the blessings that the Lord brings on your life because you tested him and obeyed him in that area, you're never gonna wanna stop. And so I wanna encourage you, those of you that have been tithing, those of you that just started, those that have been doing it for years, you've seen the blessings of God on your life in many different ways, not just financially. And if you've been hesitant in this area, if you have not chosen to obey yet, do what I did. Get on that try before you buy and start tithing and watch the Lord work, amen? So if you have your giving, if you're watching online with us and you'd like to give, you can give online at faithchurchlubbock.com. You guys can do that as well or you can use your seed envelopes. You can mark those and then drop them off at the box on your way out. So let's pray before we start. And what I wanna pray is that the Holy Spirit would soften and open each one of our hearts and minds to receive what he has for us today. So if you'll agree with me in prayer over yourself, just put your hands on your heart. Holy Spirit, we come before and we ask you that you would open up our hearts and our minds to receive the word of God. Lord, your word says that when we abide in your word, we are truly your disciples and we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. I pray freedom tonight in Jesus' name. And I pray that you would help us to be open to receive your word for our lives. In your name we pray, amen. On October 27th, 2020, so if you can think about what was going on at that time, of course in Texas, you know, we weren't wearing masks and things anymore most places, but we're right in the middle of a pandemic. 
my, my youngest daughter had been born about a month before that. She was born September 18th of 2020. And so my wife and I, she was our third child, so we've got three kids now, which means we're outnumbered. She's only a month old, so we have not been sleeping. Those of you parents, you know where I'm coming from here. We were basically in survival mode. And we were doing our best just to get through the next day with the strength of God, right? And on October 27th, I come home from work, and we've got, I was playing with my kids, the, the two older ones were having a great time, and we decided to go to my parents' house to eat dinner. And so we go to my parents' house, everybody's doing great, and all of a sudden at the dinner table, my son, Levi, he was two at the time, and Levi starts to have trouble holding his spoon. And this is really weird because this man loves to eat. And so I look at him and, and he's like having trouble holding his head up. He's having trouble holding his spoon. He can't eat. And so I'm like, something's not right. I mean, there's that something, you, you parents know, there's that something within you. You just know something's not right. And so I remember going over and feeling his head and he felt really warm. I'm like, oh my gosh, we, he's got a fever. And so it starts to get worse. And so I gather my family around. I'm like, we got it. Would y'all circle up? Help me pray for Levi. And so we prayed over Levi and then we feel him again, he's hot. And so I'm thinking, man, we gotta get him in the bathtub. And so we take all of his clothes off, we put him in the bathtub, and I run to the other room to grab a thermometer, and my wife stays with him in the bathroom. All of a sudden, I hear screaming. And I run back out of the room, and my wife is, is holding him like this. And when I looked at my son, his lips were blue. He wasn't moving at all. He wasn't responding to anything at all. He, he didn't look like he was breathing. I grab him out of her arms and I'm carrying him like this and I lay him down in the living room and I just almost hysterically, I start shouting, you will live and not die in Jesus' name. You will live and not die in Jesus' name. I mean, I'm, I'm crying, I'm hysterical. My wife can't even watch. And so for what seemed like minutes, it was probably only a few seconds, my son laid there lifeless and I thought I was losing him that night. We call 911. My sister lays her head, his, her head on his chest and she says, he is breathing. And I just remember, I just had screamed and, and, and prayed so hard I'd lost the power to speak. So the ambulance shows up and they start checking him and they say, it looks like he had a seizure. I was like, his lips were blue, he wasn't responding, he wasn't moving at all. And I said, that's, that's what it looks like. They said, would you like to take him in? I'm like, yes, we would like to take him in. And so I rode in the ambulance with him and we went to the hospital and I do all these tests on him and just seeing my son, two years old, laying there in that hospital bed with all the different little things hooked up to him. So I, they, they give him the all clear. They say, he's okay, everything's fine, just go see his pediatrician. And so I take him back to my parents' house and I, I didn't even wanna go home. I didn't wanna sleep in, in my house with just my family. So I stayed at my parents' house that night. I'm 30 something years old at this point. And I just needed somebody to be there with me. And so my whole family stayed the night at my parents' house and I slept in the room with Levi and I don't think I slept hardly at all that night. So we go to a pediatrician and he's like, it was a febrile seizure, which is a seizure that happens whenever a fever spikes really, really quickly. And I'm like, yeah, but his, his lips were blue, like he wasn't responsive. He was like, yeah, sometimes seizures can present themselves like that. But for some reason that night changed something in me and, and I got torn up. And so what happened was I became what, what they say is hypervigilant. And every little sneeze, every little cough from any one of my three kids, I was there with the thermometer. I mean, literally, I would check their temperature three or four times within the span of 30 minutes 
just to make sure no fever was coming. I don't know what I was gonna do if it did come. But there was just something in me that was so, so anxious about fevers and about sickness. And it would tear me, I remember one time I was, my son started to worry me again, he was just lethargic on the couch. And I'm like, I've gotta go get the thermometer. So I run, get the thermometer, I check it, and it says 100, which you can still go to school unless it's like 100.4. But for some reason, just seeing that 100, it tore me up inside. And I remember just breaking down crying. And I asked my wife, crying my eyes out, I said, why can't I just trust God? And I struggled, and I struggled, and I struggled. Fast forward to December of that year. We go on a family vacation to Riodosa. And in the middle of the night, I start getting these crazy heart palpitations. I mean, my heart's going like, I think it was 140 beats per minute while I was just laying still in bed. My head starts to hurt, I've got this crazy headache. Like something is going wrong in my body. And so my brother-in-law was there with us, he's a firefighter, and so I, I went into his room and I said, hey man, will you just check me out, something's going wrong. I started to tremble and I was just shaking, my heart was racing, all of these things, and so he drove me to the emergency room. And they did test on me and EKGs and all this stuff. And then they said, you're, you're fine. And they gave me an antacid, sent me home. It made me pretty mad. It's like, this, that is not the problem. <laughs> a few months later, I'm continuing to struggle. Every time I, I even think about a fever with my kids, I struggle. It happens again at, at my house this time. And I have to call my mom early, early in the morning and ask her, will you please come get me, take me to the emergency room, something's going wrong in my body. Same thing, they do a CAT scan. They say, everything checks out fine. They send me to a cardiologist and I actually wore a heart monitor for two weeks. I go back after that's over and they say, everything with your heart checks out fine. So then I start to have headaches like every single day and I'm really worried about my own health at this point. Something's wrong, I've got, I've got a, a brain aneurysm or I've got something wrong with my heart, something's wrong. I remember going to doctor appointment after doctor appointment and finally after nobody could tell me anything that was wrong with me. Last time I went to the doctor, I looked at him and I said, I've got headaches every day. My heart is racing and pounding and palpitating. My hands are tingling all the time. My feet are tingling all the time. What could cause all of those things? And he said, anxiety. And I had never even heard of Anxiety causing so many physical symptoms in a person. But I was so concerned with my kids, so anxious about my kids, and then I became so anxious about myself that that door was open and my mind started to tell my body essentially that it needed to freak out. And so I'm not talking to you guys tonight from a mental health expert perspective, because I'm not that. But I am talking to you tonight from experience. Because for two years, I struggled and I struggled and I struggled and I was in torment, but I've seen victory through Jesus. And so the reason I'm excited about tonight is because I know what it is to be so anxious you're debilitated by it, but I also know what it is to walk in freedom because of the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what I'm believing for each one of you tonight. Go ahead and turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. According to Forbes, Right now, because of or since the COVID-19 pandemic, there is 28% increase in depression symptoms worldwide. 28%. That is significant in just three years. Similarly, with anxiety, there is a 25% worldwide increase in anxiety symptoms since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. So let's just define these two things real quick. Anxiety 
is a mental condition characterized by excessive apprehensiveness about real or perceived threats. My son scanning a 100 degree temperature was no kind of threat at all, but because of my prior experience, my brain told me that that was a threat and it, and it gave me anxiety. So it's a real or a perceived threat, typically leading to avoidance behaviors and often to physical symptoms such as increased heart rate and muscle tension. Let's look at depression. Depression is a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest. It also call, it's also called major depressive disorder or clinical depression. It affects how you feel, think, and behave, and it can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems. You may have trouble doing normal day-to-day activities, and sometimes you may feel as if life isn't worth living. And so these are the things we deal with. These are the things we struggle with. Now, anxiety, depression, very seldomly. Those things can be caused by chemical imbalances in our brains, and we may need a doctor to prescribe a medication that would help us get past that chemical imbalance. Most often, these things are kind of like a fire alarm in our hearts. You know, your house is on fire, and the fire alarm starts going off. It's doing its job. And how silly would it be for our house to be on fire and for us to be like, God, this, this fire alarm just keeps going off. It's really annoying. I really wish the fire alarm would stop going off. Let me Google how to turn off the fire alarm. Oh, it says you can take the batteries out of it. See, that's what anxiety is. That's the way that it's, it's, it functions, that it's alerting us of something that's on fire in our lives. And so we're gonna learn what those things are. So 1 Kings chapter 19, we're gonna look at a man in the Bible who dealt with anxiety and depression. And Miss Alice, bless you, I was gonna read like a whole bunch of stuff and I'm not anymore, I'm gonna skip to the end, okay? And so, I'm gonna set up this story. This is Elijah the prophet, and you remember that he did so many incredible things for God. I mean, there was this one time that the Bible talks about where these men came to, to get him, essentially they were gonna take him back and bring him to their leader, and 50 men at a time would come and Elijah would just pray and fire would rain down from heaven, burn them all up. He did it three times in a row. And then you remember the last guy just walks up and he's like, please don't burn me up with fire. That's Elijah. He's the one right before we're about to read in 1 Kings 19, right before this, Elijah calls down fire from heaven. It burns up the the sacrifice on the altar while all the prophets of Baal are around there. And then he kills all the prophets of Baal. He prays that it would rain and it rains even though it hadn't rained in three years. This is Elijah a man of God, confident in who he is in Christ. And so let's read a few verses here. Let's go 1 Kings 19, verse one, or verse two. So Ahab tells Jezebel all this, and it says, so Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like one of them that you killed. And so Jezebel sends this threat to Elijah. Every other time Elijah had been threatened or people had come against him, He prays, God moves, it's all good. Something was different this time. Look at verse three. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Why was he afraid? He had seen God move in his life over and over and over again, and this threat by Jezebel caused him to be afraid. What was he afraid of? He was afraid that she would do exactly what she said she would do and that she would kill him. Elijah was afraid of losing his life. Okay, so what happens is Elijah runs away. He's like, you know what, I'm, 
God's calling me to do all this stuff. I can't handle it anymore. I'm running away. He actually tells the Lord, God, just, just take me now because this is too much for me to handle. The Bible also says that he tells his servant, hey man, I'm leaving. You don't come with me. I'm gonna go alone. And so he isolated himself. And so he gets to the mountain of God where he's running and here's where we're gonna pick up in verse nine. It says, there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, to Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? And I don't believe that God was trying to slam him. I, I don't believe that God was saying, what are you doing here? I believe it was just, Elijah, what are you doing here? You've seen me move. You know my power. You know I'll never leave you or forsake you. What are you doing here? Why have you run away? Look at verse 10. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death by the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And so he starts to complain to God. It's not fair, God. I did all this stuff for you, and now I'm the only one left that's serving you. You ever feel like you're the only one? So then you know the story that God sent this great, powerful wind, but it says God wasn't in the wind. And then he sent this powerful earthquake and God wasn't in the earthquake and he sent this raging fire and God wasn't in the fire. But then it says in verse 13, or 12, it says, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mount of the cave. Then a voice said to him, the same thing it said before, what are you doing here, Elijah? You know what I believe this was? God giving Elijah a second chance to trust in him and to rely on him. And Elijah says back to God the exact same thing he said before. I've done all this stuff for you, God, and they're trying to kill me. He stays in his, his mentally broken state. And so the Lord gives him a plan, and part of the plan that the Lord says in verse 16, halfway through verse 16, the Lord tells Elijah, he says, anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. So the Lord has to replace Elijah. Elijah chooses not to trust in the Lord. He chooses to allow those anxious thoughts to consume him instead. But God takes care of Elijah. God's with Elijah. And just like he was with Elijah, he's gonna be with me and he's gonna be with you. And here's the last thing he says in verse 18. God tells Elijah, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. You know what God's saying? Hey, you told me that you were alone, that you were the only one left, but that's not true, Elijah. I've got 7,000 men right now who are still worshiping and praising me. You're not alone. And so I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 26. Miss Alice, heads up. I'm not gonna get to all the ones you've got back there. Everybody give Miss Alice a hand. She's doing a great job. We're gonna skip around a little bit. Okay, so we need four things. We're battling anxiety or battling depression. We want to be mentally healthy. We need four things. Everybody say four things. First thing we've gotta have is a healthy mindset. We need a healthy mindset. If you struggle with something... That means that you may not be able 
to get close to things that others can get close to. For instance, if you are a recovering alcoholic, you shouldn't go to the bars. If you are a, let's say that you, you struggle with anxiety and, and the things that you hear just consume you and you get just torn up with anxiety, quit watching the news. Quit drinking coffee late at night. Quit scrolling through social media and seeing all the things that are going wrong in the world. Those things, you, the other people may be totally fine, but they may be triggers for you. And so check this out. In Isaiah 26, verse three, it says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Another version of this verse says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Meaning, I'm not gonna let my mind go to all the disaster planning things that could happen. When I put that thermometer on my son's forehead and it says 100, I'm not gonna let my mind say I'm losing him. I'm gonna keep my mind stayed on God because he's good and when I keep my mind stayed on him, I'm kept in perfect peace. In 2 Corinthians 10, five, it says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And so in my life, the way that this played out was I had to call out the anxious thoughts I had. The thoughts that did not have a basis to stand on, the thoughts that I knew were rooted in anxiety and that were tearing me apart on the inside. And so whenever I would feel that tingling in my hands and my back and I would think, oh man, something's really wrong, I would learn to say, that's anxiety, I'm okay. I learned to trust in God and say, you know what? I've seen God heal my body. My, my daughter, when she, I think she was five, she prayed for me, I experienced the healing from God because somebody prayed for me. That's a story that I have. I would go back to that. God, even if I've got the worst disease known to man and it's tearing me up on the inside, I believe that you're my healer. And I would talk to myself and I was working on my mindset. When those thoughts came, you're gonna lose your son, I would take those thoughts captive and make him obedient to Jesus. How did I do that? I kept my mind stayed on God and I made those thoughts come against the word of God. Unless this says it, I'm not gonna believe it, amen? And so John Deloney, he is a mental health expert. He says, our bodies are designed to respond and even grow from focused short-term stress. Chaotic long-term stress, however, is killing us. We have to do something different. Get off social media. Say no to caffeine after 10 a.m. Pay off all your debt. Spend intentional time with family and your partner, your romantic partner. Exercise and make sleep a priority. Control what you can control. Be intentional. Stop saying you can't. Take back your life. So when those anxious thoughts come, ask the Holy Spirit to help you recognize them. Maybe they're trying to tell you something so that, to warn you. Maybe it's something legitimate but oftentimes those anxious thoughts come and I get so torn up with anxiety on the inside, it's a thought that I need to take captive and I need to have a healthy mindset. Everybody say a healthy mindset. The second thing we need is that we need healthy community. This is a warning from the US Surgeon General, okay? That's the same one that puts in all the bathrooms, women who are pregnant should not consume alcohol, the same one who puts on the cigarette carton, you shouldn't smoke these, don't do that please. That, this is the US Surgeon General, okay? And here's what it says. They did a longitudinal cohort study of US adolescents, 12 to 15 years old. They adjusted for baseline mental health status. 
they found that adolescents who spent more than three hours a day on social media faced double the risk of experiencing poor mental health outcomes, including symptoms of depression and anxiety. Many other studies have also linked social media use to poorer mental health outcomes, especially in younger people. And then a study in 2019, it said that adolescents and youth found that excessive time spent using social media was associated with depression, anxiety, and psychological distress. There was another study that they did with college students, and they took a group of college students, and for three weeks, they said, limit your social media use to 30 minutes a day. And then they had another group that they said, you use social media as much as you want to. And they saw significant improvements in mental health from the group that limited their social media usage. Why is that? Because social media masquerades itself as a way for us to be connected and to have community. But that's not what it is at all. Actually, social media promotes isolation. And I don't, I'm not saying, hey, social media is evil, and if you're doing it, you're evil too. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is that I believe that the enemy has used social media, which has benefits and can be good, to deceive people into thinking that because they're online and have a thousand friends on Facebook, that they have a community. But we were designed to be in the same room with other people. We were designed to talk with other people. You need people in your life, a community that will stand with you, that you can call in the middle of the night when, when you are struggling. When you don't have anybody else to turn to, you need a community of people that will be there with you. We were designed to live life together. In Galatians 6.2, it says, carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. How can I carry somebody else's burdens if I don't even know them any better than what they're willing to post on their social media? And so, limit your social media use. Use it as a tool, don't let it use you. Social media is not a way to build community. It is a way to keep us isolated, and isolation is one of the biggest factors in poor mental health. You need to find your tribe. Find your people. Find people that you can, you can turn to no matter what's going on, that they're not gonna judge you or criticize you. They're gonna stand with you and they're gonna pray with you. They're gonna tell you it's gonna be okay. They're gonna come over and just sit on your couch with you and not say a word. How do you find those people? You be a friend. And instead of coming late to church and then leaving early so that you don't have to say hi to anybody, Come early and go sit in the coffee shop on Sunday and talk to somebody at the pub table next to you. Stay a little after service. The, the lines at the restaurant are not getting any smaller anyways. Talk to somebody, ask them how their day's going. You contribute and then build that community together. We need each other. In my life, this has only really started to play out this year. And I've found a group of guys that every Tuesday morning at 5.30 a.m., I go and play Frisbee with them. We hang out together. And then every Thursday morning at six, we have a Bible study. This group of guys, I, I had a prayer request and one of my family members was coming into town and they don't know the Lord. And so I asked my group of guys, I said, would y'all please be praying with me because I have an opportunity to speak into my brother's life this weekend. And I remember at, at Frisbee yesterday, I left playing Frisbee, I'm driving down the road, I get like a mile down the road and one of the guys in my group pulls up in, beside me and he's like, roll down your window. I roll down my window and he says, hey man, how's your brother doing? How was it when you, when you got to spend time with him this week? Did you get to speak the truth of Jesus to him? We're sitting at a stoplight together. But he thought enough to, let me, let me check on him, let me make sure he's okay. 
Those are the kind of friends you need, people that are gonna stand beside you and stand with you. It's just like when, whenever Moses had to keep his hands up so that, remember the Bible says when his hands were up, the children of Israel were winning the battle, but when his hands fell, they would begin to lose. And so Aaron and Hur stood beside him and held his arms up. We need people that are gonna stand beside us and hold our arms up. Don't be isolated. Don't be alone. That's one of the biggest tricks of the enemy. We need a healthy community. Third thing we need. We need healthy rest. Everybody say rest. You still with me? All right. The Bible is very clear that we were designed and created to work six days and rest one. And when we try to work seven days, it's going against the natural rhythm placed within us by our creator. Turn to Isaiah 58. See, Christians in America, we've taken the 10 commandments in this area as multiple choice. God thinks that the Sabbath rest is so important that he made it one of his top 10. It's in the same list as do not murder and do not commit adultery. That's how important the Sabbath rest is. And in America, we've thought, well, you know what? I've got nine out of 10. And actually that number four, I don't even think that applies anymore. Why do we think that? It's not true. And Jesus said that he didn't make this man for the Sabbath, but he said he made the Sabbath for man. You know what he's saying? You guys need this. And in this country, we've thought, or in our time frame anyways, we've just thought, okay, Sabbath means go to church. So I go to church and then I'm good. No, it means one day where you don't work. We've gotta have rest. And so in my family, the way that this plays out for us, I work like six to eight hours on Sundays. And so Sunday's not our Sabbath. So we have Saturday. It's not about the day, it's about being obedient to find one day out of seven that you're not working. And so I'll mow the yard, that kind of brings me joy. Don't call me, because it doesn't bring me joy to mow your yard, just mine. And I'll organize the garage, that brings me joy. But I will not work for money on Saturdays. My kids are not allowed to do chores on Saturdays. Now if they mess up their room, they're gonna clean it, but I'm not paying them for it, okay? We're resting on Saturdays, we are not working. I don't do any side jobs, if someone calls and says, hey, I've got this yard to mow, you help me, I'll give you $300. No, not on Saturday. Because we're intentional about obeying the Lord in this area. Now, things come up. Sometimes there's a wedding, they've got it scheduled on a Saturday and I have to go and do it and I have to work. So those weeks where there's something special that happens, I've gotta take time a different day and kind of substitute it in. It's not about being legalistic, it's about being obedient. We need healthy rest. And in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 13 and 14. This is so important. Look at this. It says, if, everybody say if. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, If you call the service, the Sabbath, a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. If, you guys mark that in your Bible, circle that. It will not happen by chance or by accident. You've gotta be intentional 
about keeping the Sabbath. We need rest. Last one. Number four. And I may keep you guys three or four minutes because I believe this is important tonight. I'm going as fast as I can. Number four. We need healthy spirituality. We need a healthy mindset. We need a healthy community. We need healthy rest. And we need a healthy spirituality. Why? Because 2 Timothy 1.7 says, the Lord says, I have not given you a spirit of fear. So we learn two things from that scripture. First, fear is a spirit. Second, it never comes from God. Because the rest of that verse says, God, I have given you a spirit of power, and the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind or self-discipline. And so what do we do with the spirit of fear? Well, we treat it like a spirit. James 4, 7 says, submit to God, that's step one. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so that means I can submit to God and resist the spirit of fear and it will go. Dear men of iron, this year, we're here late at night for one of the services. And about 10 o'clock that night, my kids had just gotten put in bed. They stayed up late for some reason. And this teenager driving a car down my street slams into a trailer that's parked at my next door neighbor's house. You can imagine, this is crazy loud. I get home from Men of Iron and there's police cars parked in my driveway and I'm like, what did my kids do? And so th- I talk to the kid, he's okay. He's really shaken up. He says, I'm sorry. I'm like, hey, not my trailer. You <laughs> say sorry to him. But that night I go into my daughter's room She's seven. And she was eaten up with fear and anxiety. She was shaking. And I said, what, what's wrong, sister? She said, I'm just really worried about that man that hit the trailer. She said, it, it was really loud. My wife said it sounded like a gunshot. I said, babe, I talked to him outside. He's fine. He's totally fine. Everything's okay. Go back to sleep. She's still shaking, shaking, shaking. I said, what's wrong? I'm just... I'm just worried that somebody has a gun. And to my knowledge, my daughter's never even seen a real gun, much less heard one be fired. I said, sister, no, nobody's got a gun. She said, well, I'm just, I'm just worried that somebody's gonna come in our house with a gun. And I know that nobody's ever been in my house without permission. These things were irrational fears that come from the enemy. So I had to recognize that I laid my hands on her and I said, In Jesus' name, spirit of fear, you have to go. You will leave in the name of Jesus. And she's doing this, doing this, and she stops. She goes, I'm not shaking anymore. Because the spirit of fear had come to to attack my daughter. And when the spirit of fear comes against you, and you can recognize this isn't natural. This is the spirit of fear. You stand and you bind that spirit in Jesus' name. We have authority in the name of Jesus. Not by our own power, not by our own authority, but in the name of Jesus. Would you stand up on your feet? Now my daughter knows that when she's afraid in her bed at night, she speaks the name of Jesus. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. The end of the story with Elijah, remember what he was so anxious about? He was anxious about dying. There's only two people that ever walked the face of planet Earth 
that did not die. Elijah's one of them. The Lord took him up in a whirlwind. The thing that he was so anxious about, the thing that tore him up and derailed him from walking in his calling, it never even happened. That's what anxiety can do to us. That it'll tear us up on the inside about something that may never even happen. And you know what, if it does happen, maybe you're anxious about a, a health condition that's been actually diagnosed and you're actually struggling with it. Maybe you're anxious about a real situation happening with one of your kids. Or you're anxious about a real situation at work with your finances. Even when we're anxious about real things that have come against us, our God will carry us through. I believe that there's freedom tonight. So if you would say, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with anxiety or I'm struggling with depression. I'm not mentally healthy tonight. And I need a touch from God. Would you just be bold tonight? And would you just lift up your hands? I'm gonna tell you guys, that was me. I was so full of anxiety that it, it tormented my mind. Those of you that are around them, would you please lay your hands on them? Let's stand with our family tonight. Let's be a community. And Pastor Shelley's gonna sing this song just for a minute. That we have a in Jesus that he's our champion so come on let's lift up our voices thank you once again for joining us on this podcast to check out more services from Faith Church you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events how to give and how you can get involved